I bid you welcome. God, We all go a little mad sometimes. We accept a one of us. We accept a one of us. What's your favorite scary movie? Wolfman's got an Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Home is Where the Horror Is, a podcast dedicated to all things horror and our love for it. I'm your host, Brian. And I'm Monica. And today, I finally got Monica to sit through a black and white horror film. But but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, We finally were able to see a horror movie, and of all things, it's a new one. Yeah. So what did we end up watching? Uh, we watched Freaky, which is like a horror take on Freaky Friday. Yeah. Um, I, I know like the, the original Freaky Fridays, it was like the mother and the daughter switched and everything like that. This had a little bit of a twist. It was a big twist, yeah. yeah. So for those of you who are unaware, you might have seen the preview. Vince Vaughn is a serial killer, and um, he basically has this enchanted knife and stabs this girl and they transfer consciousness. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like Monica said, it's a take on uh, uh, you're in someone else's body. You know, in the original movies, it was obviously all comedy. This one was, it was horror, but it was still very black comedy-ish. Yeah, a little twist, a little funny. Yeah. I will say nothing about, that movie didn't take itself seriously at all. But the kills were gory as hell, yeah. which shocked me. Like as soon as you saw some of the kills, you were like, "Oh, they really, they really show." And they kind of opened it up, like the the first you know scenes of the movie. There's kills. And... So, I mean, I knew you would love it right yeah. away, and given the amount of cheap laughs you got out of it, I can only guess what you would rate this one. But. You know, let me guess. I'm gonna say you're gonna give it an A. No, no. Okay. B. I give a it B? B. Yeah. Okay. See, I actually give it a B plus. Mm-hmm. I like the gore is what put it over the top. Yeah. Because I was not expecting those type of kills, and whenever a horror movie surprises me, like that's always gonna get points. Yeah. But a lot of the movie, like there is very cheesy one-liners. Yeah, I like the the funny aspect of it. it was pretty good. But um. The ending was fine. I, I don't know. It just kind of felt weak. Yeah. I don't know how else to put it. But it, it was, like I said, interesting take on an old concept, which opens up the door. Like, I would like a horror remake of Dr. Doolittle, and he has animals go after people or something. <laughs> like, you know, take an idea like that. Like, take yeah. a, a family-friendly comedy and put a horror twist yeah. on it. I'd like to see more. Any any kid movies that you can remember that you would think would be interesting as a horror Not flick? Not that I can think of. <laughs> Fraggle Rocks. <laughs> Free Willy. <Yeah. laughs> the Killer Whale. Santa Jaws. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ugh, don't remind me of that. So as we said, last podcast, um, I gave Monica the options. And you got to admit, I'm good. I give options, babe. Mm-hmm. So you had the option of subtitles or black and white. So this week, I decided to go with The House on Haunted Hill from 1959. And 
we may have mentioned this before, but Monica, one of her favorite movies is the 1999 remake for House on Haunted Hill. So I knew she'd never seen this one, and I just wanted to be like, okay, like why don't you just check it out? Um, we'll get to our thoughts on it. So first, let me go through the actual just base information. So it actually has a really short runtime of 75 minutes. Yeah, it seems like it was pretty quick. Yeah, it was directed by William Castle, who was... Back in those days, he was known as, like, uh, the gag guy when it comes to movie theaters. Like, if you've ever heard of movie theaters that ran gags of, like, having things tingle in your seats or skeletons or bats hanging from the ceiling, messing with the lights, he that's he wanted the movies to be a full experience. Well, now they have 4D that are kind of doing that. Kind of. I mean, they kind of are taking the inspiration, but... I look at that as kind of a goofy, it's almost like combining um, like a haunted house with a horror mm-hmm. movie. And, you know, this was meant for kids. It's a very campy movie. All of his movies were usually pretty campy. But, uh, yeah, so he's most well known for this and The Tingler. It was produced by him and Rob White. And Rob White was the writer as well. Um, the cast... Very, very well-known Vincent Price. Can you name one other movie Vincent Price was in? I feel like I have seen something that he was in. I mean, you've probably seen his face in many things. Yeah. I can't think off the top of my head, but I know I've seen him in stuff So he was in the original Last Man on Earth. No. Um, He was in The Tingler. He was in a lot of Poe adaptations. He was in... um, Man, there's there's too many I can think off the top of my head. But he's just very, very well known. But the thing I will say, you should recognize his laugh. Isn't that in our opener? Yes, but what is that from? Because our son loves this. From Thrower. He's the voice. Oh. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. him. So, you know, he's one of those... Uh, Past the, like, 30s age of, like, Lugosi and everyone there, he was, like, a horror icon. He Mm. was known for horror, like Elvira and people like that. Um, It also starred Carol Omart as Annabelle Lorraine, which was uh, Vincent Price's wife. And I should mention, Vincent Price's name was Frederick Lorraine. Um, Richard Long played Lance, which is kind of funny. That's Dick Long, if you think about (laughs) it. And there's Carol and Craig who played Nora. Most of them <clears throat> very non-successful. like successful. Well, they had a few movies, but they weren't big-time stars. Richard Long had a few TV series, but really, like, other than Vincent Price, the na- they were mostly no-names at the time. So the plot, it centers around a millionaire, Frederick Lauren, who throws a party at a haunted mansion for his wife, as he claims. And... All of the guests who are arriving are strangers to one another who all basically get offered 10000 each if they can make it through the night. And the house itself, um, the, the guy who owned the house, actually is convinced that it is haunted. Um, so you always are kind of like, is it really haunted? What's going on? And that's what you start to discover as the night goes on. So before we go into anything we loved or hated about the film, what, why don't you give us a breakdown of the postmortem? Yeah, there's not really much to go off of here. 
So there's two kills. No nudity, no sex, 11 screams, and that's about it. Yeah, so Monica was supposed to keep track of the number of threats of people's lives. There's at least 15 or so. She just missed all of them as she continuously Not started enough. falling asleep the first night we tried to watch it. So she, she, was, she was slipping on this one. That's how exciting I, this movie well, was. Well, I attribute it. She was tired, but also black and white, and it is a slow movie. Extremely slow. Very slow movie. So I guess we'll start start with the things you didn't like. And I can tell you right now, for me, my biggest issue is how slow it is. Yeah, it was very, very slow. And, like, my biggest thing, like, from knowing the remake and, like, everything that happens, like, I'm kind of, I was kind of expecting that, you know what I mean? I really didn't know what to really expect going into it. But, like, the movie just ended. Like, you're like, well, uh, yeah. Oh, this is it? It's done? I had... My my other biggest problem has always been that the ending leaves you very, like... Unsatisfied isn't really the right word. It's just very, like... Like you said, that's it? Yeah. Like, because it just... It, you're like, oh, more is going to happen, and then, nope. And there... And it does leave... And this is something I bleed into what I love about it, but it leaves a lot unanswered. And the movie is very campy. And I even gave you the warning before we watched. I said, listen, there's parts that are going to seem really cheesy, but they're meant to seem cheesy. Like, that was the the shtick of the time. So it made sense of why they would do it back then. Because, of course, also, movie in the 50s, you're not going to have, a, like, grotesque violence. Um, was there anything you did like about it? Not really. Okay. I'm not shocked. For me, Vincent Price, he is, every time he's on screen, he's a very uh, charismatic, like, character. Like, you're always, like, I don't, I really didn't care when Lance and Nora, they were trying to establish like, a little love thing there. Like, I didn't give two craps about that. I didn't care about most of the characters. I did find the drunk guy kind of funny, like, because he just kept spouting off goofy shit. Mm -hmm. But Vincent Price, every time he's on screen, like, there's something... He commands your attention. Uh, the only other thing is that if you put yourself in the shoes of having never seen it before, you really do question what is going on. Yeah. Now, obviously, a lot gets revealed at the end. But imagine the first time you saw this, especially back then. These kind of movies were not common. So you really were like, oh, like this is, these are shockers. <laughs> like yeah. I don't want to co compare it completely to M. Night Shyamalan. But it's of that idea, like, whoa. Like, I understand, like, for the time that it was made and everything like that, like, yeah. You know what I mean? There wasn't a lot of gore and shock and horror and things like that. So, you know, like that. So, yeah, yeah. I get it. But it's just, especially watching it now with everything else that we watch, just not as interesting. Yeah. So knowing that you didn't really love a lot, I guess... I'll probably capture most of the scenes we want to talk about. I have two. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you give me your first one? Well, first one's like in the beginning when they all go down to the basement and they're exploring the house and they lift up like this flap because they're like, oh, there's acid. And it's like still there. Like no one drained the acid out of the basement. Like why? And, and knowing that as the guy's telling the story, the acid is there. For the sole intent of killing someone. And I love, like, they open it. They look at it. They're like, huh. They throw something. Or, no, they don't throw anything in there. 
Um, but they just leave it open, and I don't know how Nora almost falls in it. Yeah. It's like, he just told you it's a vat yeah. of acid. Don't get close to it. He did throw it. something in there, though, No, no, after but that. it was after, because yeah, they were that. like, he's like, yeah, it melts everything except bone, basically. Um, so it was very, just, I had that on there. That was one of those, like, goofy, very good foreshadowing ones. Yeah. Like, when you know what's going to happen later, it makes sense. Uh, my next scene is the only th- one of the redeeming qualities are a few scenes in this movie and the creepy old woman that's blind. Yeah. Because she appears and Nora is so freaked out already being in the house and she's like, there's this ghost and nobody sees her. But it's really the face she makes when she's when like she's coming out. She has her hands up like an old school monster. She's got her face in a snarl and she just like walks by Nora Come to find out she's blind, but why wouldn't she have her hands out if she's blind? Like, why is she making that face? It's so, like, meant to be played off. Um, And poor Nora. Nora is just tortured this whole goddamn movie. She really is. That is the atypical damsel in distress. Scream. Just have a woman in there that screams and seems hysterical, but it all happens to her. What about you? What's the next scene? Um, well, it's towards the end. Okay, so. then, I, then I'll wait uh, and give some more. Speaking of poor Nora, she goes in her room and there's just a head in her box. Yeah. So here's a question I had. Having seen this movie a few times, I still really can't decide, was it a real head or was it a prop brought by someone else? Well, because remember, they later find the head in her closet. Yes. And he brings it down. He but. brings it down. So we know it's not just her imagination. But still, I I, I guess it's a prop too. Mm-hmm. It just seems like very odd. And like I said, I mentioned that this is supposed to be a campy movie. Seeing a decapitated head would have been a really big deal back then. Um, the next scene is... Is where I feel like the climax of the movie really starts to happen. It's uh, when Nora's in her room once again, poor Nora. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the lightning was really picking up. You already are convinced that the wife of Vincent Price is dead because she hung herself. She hung herself. And here's here's the thing about that scene. Like, it's very... She hung... Like, no one's really freaking out. You know what I mean? They're, they seemed pretty calm. The acting of the time was very much like stage acting. And that was one of a, a lot of actors like that were from a stage show. Yeah, the emo- over emotionalness is part of the reason why it's not believable. But either way, Nora's freaking out because now she sees this woman floating. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, a rope starts coming into the room, wrapping around her legs, and then gets retracted. Now, if you need to be told this is a spoiler for a movie that's from 59, I'll say spoiler. The wife isn't really dead, but we're led to believe she is a ghost. But here's the deal. How the hell did that's that rope do I that? I was thinking. Because we do know there are some intricate little tricks played by people. That's a super intricate. Yeah. So goes back to we never really get the answer. Were there actual ghosts? Mm-hmm. And was she seeing, like, a ghost that was projecting itself as her? But we do know she was trying to mess with Nora anyway. It's just that rope one, it really boggles your well, mind. Well, when, when, um, when the psychologist 
goes to the wife remember when she like she wakes up and everything he does they do talk about her floating outside of Nora's bedroom that's right yeah so so it was her but but how they do how the they do the I mean thing. I guess I I'm looking too much into it then I'm sure your final scene is going to be the scene I talk about too so you might as well yeah. explain it so you know at the the very end we find out that Nora and the psychiatrist, yep. whatever, are a couple and they're planning on killing her husband. So he, he tells her, you know, when you hear the gunshot, come downstairs. Because they basically have been playing Nora this whole time, trying to make her hysterical. So that way she shoots um, her husband and everything like that. So which happens, like she's down there, she sees the husband because she, she thinks he attacked her in the dark. He's she's convinced he's killing people. He's trying to kill everyone because yeah. everyone is suspicious of Vincent Price. So like, even if you are a millionaire, like ten k a person yeah. is expensive, and they assume he killed his wife because like from the get go those two were arguing like yeah. cats and dogs, and one of the party favors is all the little guns in the coffin. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so and not Nora... to mention that this is his fourth wife, and three of them have disappeared. Yeah. The three before her, so they did talk about that in the beginning. But yeah, Nora is basically driven to hysteria, yeah. and everyone is convinced at this point, as you said, it is Vincent Price. Yeah. And sure enough, yeah, she's in a wine cellar, and she shoots him. So then we see the psychiatrist come down and you know, open up the vat of acid and go to drag him in. And then it kind of goes black and you're like someone's fighting. Um, and then you see the wife come down. So the wife comes down expecting the husband to have, you know, been disposed of. And all of a sudden a skeleton comes out of the acid and starts walking towards her and like starts talking and it's her husband's voice and starts freaking out. And, you know, she winds up falling into the vat of acid and, come to find out that skeleton is actually the it's like a marionette it's yeah. it's like vincent price has like a puppeteer thing with all the strings and the rigs yeah to be controlling the the skeleton, skeleton. um which is when i specifically said to you it was meant to look campy yeah that was why because like i knew that skeleton scene yeah. it, it comes off very ridiculous. goofy like yeah you can tell how it's being done, but then when you see, oh, it is him doing it. It was meant to be shown yeah. like that. And then come to find out, he actually threw the psychiatrist in the acid because yep. you really don't actually see, you know, what happens because it goes black. And then when everyone comes down, he basically tells them that the two of them were planning on killing him. He killed them. And when Nora shot him, there was blanks in the gun. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it cuts to everyone comes down, and he, he just says, he, he explains the whole story, and he said, you know, it, it was self-defense, they were trying to kill me, I've killed them, and now I'm ready to see if justice believes me. Yeah. And then it just le- it just starts leaving, but once again, it comes in on the guy who owns it, and he's like, two more, it's now nine, yeah. and they'll come for more, and they'll even come for you. Yeah. So that guy is still convinced it's ghosts, but even he said, like, all the things that happen in the house are, like, these grisly, random deaths. So you can explain the, the acid and all that to skeleton. The one time when Nora's standing there and there's, like, a monster hand that comes around the corner. Yeah, that's I true. guess that's the doctor or someone 
still messing around with Nora. There's random spots, though, throughout the movie where there's blood dripping from the ceiling. The ceiling and it yeah. keeps going on the old woman. The old lady, yeah. So my thing is, like, they show the one area, and, and when it drips on her, he's like, you're marked. But then it randomly happens in her room. Her room, yeah. Which I'm like, well, they really weren't trying to freak. They were trying to freak Nora out. Mm -hmm. So could that have been a – like, I don't know. And that's where I just say there's a little bit of a – could some of that be driven by the ghost? I don't know mm -hmm. if there is any ghost. Um, this will be very easy. So what was your favorite kill? Well, <laughs> You have two options. Yeah, there's only two of them. So I guess I'm going to go with the wife's death. Yeah. Just because of how ridiculous and skeleton and she's backing up and, oh, did you forget there's a big bad acid behind you and you just fall in. So Yeah, and then obviously I'm in agreement. And the worst kill is the doctor. The doctor, just because you don't say it. Yeah, going to – I like the kind of effect of it went to blank and you heard the struggle. But, yeah, you don't see anything. Uh, so, babe, I will say this. I told you after we watched it, I know this was not a perfect or that good of a black and white movie. So I don't want this to tarnish future black and white movies. What grade did you give it? I'll give it a D. You gave it a D? Yeah. Okay. Well, you just didn't have any fun with it. Mm. See, I gave it a C for how campy it is. <laughs> Get it? C for campy. C. Well, no. It really is. I have fun with this movie in certain moments. And I do like Vincent Price. And I am one of those people I can... My grade is going to be affected by putting myself in the place of someone who's watching it from the time. So, having seen this now multiple times, I still get goofy enjoyment of how ridiculous the skeleton scene is, the old lady, and those specific scenes. But I can't justify anything above a C for this one. Well, you see how excited I was since I kept falling asleep. Yeah, but once again, you've done that with some of your picks, too. So, I can't fully say that was just the movie. Okay, so I do have some fun facts for you. So the exterior, that house, very fancy looking house, mm -hmm. very unique. So it actually is called the Enos House, and it was um, it was made up by Frank Lloyd Wright. And have you ever heard that? I'm sure I you've heard, heard that name. name yeah. Very infamous uh, architect in America. He made many houses throughout the U.S. with very unique architecture like that. And most houses, including this one that he made are now kind of preserved as like historic landmarks and his inspiration for that house was actually like Mayan temples hmm. so if you look from the movie it's tough to see but if you actually take a look at like the stonework and the way it's built yeah. it actually almost does resemble kind of like a Mayan temple hmm. so they use that as the exterior obviously everything on the interior was staged, staged yeah. um, but what's interesting is this movie made bank I want you to take a random guess at what the budget is for this film. This was the 50s, 59. Right? 58, 59. Um, 500,000. 200,000 was okay. the budget. <clears throat> really low. It banked $2.5 hmm. So this caught the attention of a lot of people, including 
Alfred Hitchcock, who was kind of inspired by this whole something in a, in a house, semi kind of gave him the idea of doing a low budget on one or two locations. So it gave the idea for Psycho to a degree. Not saying inspired all of his drive. That's a much better movie, but still. Now I have watched some Alfred Hitchcock's movies. I will watch many more. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the birds and Psycho. <laughs> Um, Vertigo. That opening scare, and they call it a scare, when it's black and there's all that, mm-hmm. that was actually a like legit jump scare for people back in the day because they never did that in theaters where it was kept dark and they do that noise. Yeah. Um, that inspired the whole industry for making soundtracks for Halloween music. Hmm. Like so, you know, when you buy the CDs and it's goofy sounds, that kind of was inspired by this huh. as well as. Well, William Castle's thing, his technique in all of his films he did with the theater interactions, he called it a Murgo. That was his name for it. Mm -hmm. But um, the specific scene when the skeleton gets out of the asset, he would cue a lit skeleton would swing over everyone's head. Like he would have it placed like just at the screen. And as it's coming towards, it would actually come out and swing Uh, over top of everyone. There's lots of newspaper clippings and reviews of like basically people saying like, it's so much fun. And like at some point though, after enough people know it's coming, they like have stuff to throw at the skeleton and and it just becomes like a a fun thing. And uh, the final thing, just interesting, a lot of movies of the past actually, had this issue but this one uh whoever owned the rights to the movie forgot to kind of renew it so it fell in the public domain for a really long time so there are a ton of really shitty cuts of this movie being released because once something's public domain like you and i could just cut the movie together put our own soundtrack and then release as a dvd and make sales on it Hmm. that's what the same thing happened in night of the living dead so you got to be careful which copies, because some are a lot worse than yeah. others, because people have randomly decided to re-chop the way the film's edited together, and it can affect the entire way you yeah. see the movie. Uh, and then the only other fun fact, similar to what we talked about before, they used a real human skeleton for that skeleton scene, because huh. it was cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. So... Hmm. Can't wait to see what you're going to pick next week. I haven't seen Ghost Ship in a while. It's okay. You, we've already made a deal. Yeah, and we're not going to tell the people, but you damn well know when you pick Ghost Ship what my next movie's going to be. I know. I know. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about the movie before we move on? Nope. All right. Now, since we watched this wonderful movie, what is your myth going to be related to this? Well, I had to go with some kind of skeleton. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, that's the big payoff. And there's actually a very interesting one. So previously, uh, when I did the um, Mananangal from the Philippines, I had, was going to do what's called a yokoi from Japan. Um, and yokoi is basically a evil spirit or monster. And there's a whole like race of them with Japanese mythology. So the specific one I'm covering today is the Gasha Dokuru. And that... Yes, that's actually exactly how it's said. Um, That roughly translates to giant skull or rattling skull. Hmm. And this particular monster takes the form of a giant skeleton, which is approximately 15 times larger than a normal average-sized person. 
Uh, so some. Picture. So it's like those skeletons that you saw in a Home Depot. Actually, that is a very, very. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. God damn it! I'm pretty proud of you right now. <laughs> Guess it was worth giving you the ring. But <laughs> but as you can see from the pictures, it straight up is a giant skeleton. Mm-hmm. Um. So this. This particular skeleton is said to be created from um, a basically a huge mass of bones of people who died of either starvation or on the battlefield without being buried. Because burial rites are a very big deal in Japanese mm-hmm. culture. And if you weren't buried properly, your spirit could roam. And in this particular case, when there was mass graves, these all the bones would kind of form together to make this giant Isn't that like the grudge like that was an issue or something like that with the burial is that why um well the grudge is the idea of the spirit like any anything that experiences a violent death mm. the spirit remains and haunts like something gotcha. can't wait to watch that movie, oh, with I hate you. That movie. <laughs> um so the the origins of this this particular yokoi go back over a thousand years to a bloody rebellion against the central government of Japan by a samurai named Tarano Masakadu and his daughter, oh, my screws up so bad, Takiyashi Ami. Takiyashi Ami? Yeah. Who was a famous sorceress. So when her father died and was killed for um, creating this rebellion, she decided to continue on and using her black magic summoned this great skeleton with the bodies of all the people that were associated with mm-hmm. this because they left their bodies out in the field and she used this to help attack the city of Kyoto. Mm-hmm. Um, and around that time there were massive destruction of Kyoto through fires and whatnot. So they kind of saying it's attributed to this yokoi. Um, now what's interesting is that's just the most infamous and kind of where the legend began. But it is said that this thing can be created at really any time. Um, but it most often likes to roam after midnight once it's awake. And it will go for lone travelers. Uh, and it's very interesting. They will either, It will either straight up bite off your head or crush it. And then um, as your head is spraying blood, it drinks the blood. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of like, I guess... Like your humans are gushers to it, you know, hmm. just like you know, grabbing them and messing them up. Now, is this something that like has to be summoned, or it just automatically kind it of? It can just be. It, it just usually, you know, it's going to be a result of. Once again, at that time in feudal Japan, wars were so common. Like, think of it. The easiest way you would understand is like you know you've you've heard of like a lot of Native American tribes always fighting with each other. Mm-hmm. In Japan at that time, it was very like lots of different territory territories were fighting, so you'd have many, many big battles. So it was more common to believe, as we've covered before, that if a spirit or spirits of a mass area are yeah. left, something bad. So it would be kind of created. Gotcha. You do the only you do get a warning though if you were walking alone and you start getting a ringing in your ear, and specifically. You'd hear that gachi gachi, which is basically part of how it got its name of the bones kind of ringing together and rattling together. So you'd hear it coming. Now, it kind of sucks because 
This thing is indestructible hmm. and can use invisibility. So if it wants to be stealthy, it can. The only real thing that can ward it off are Shinto charms, which is basically religious symbols for um, Japanese at the time. Outside of that, that's kind of just the basis. It has been used in a lot of Japanese comic books, manga, some video games, and never no major movies you would recognize. But it is like one of the most infamous of the, excuse me, of the yokoi of Japanese mythology. So I just was like, gotta go with a skeleton for this <laughs> one. But that'd be some shit. You see a 15 foot, what if you just saw one of those 15 feet skeleton or how big are those skeletons i think they are 15 are they 15 they might be 15 feet. could you imagine what if you just were like well now you're driving but like say you were jogging and all you turn around you see that thing chasing you and i have little legs that thing would catch me very quickly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get you some shinto charms right. <laughs> but no that's um the art for it is really fascinating uh and like i said when i was going through all the pictures it looks I mean, it's intimidating as hell. Yeah. And, and like I said, knowing that's indestructible, knowing that it can go invisible, it's just, I would not have wanted to be a traveler back in those yeah. days. So, yeah. I, I mean, it's a short and sweet myth this week, but one that uh, doesn't have a lot more outside of the information I've already given you. But I mean, who would have thought Joe Coy was so scary? I thought he was funny. Uh, were you teeing that up from the moment I said yokoi? Is that really? Is that really what you did there? I retract all my previous endorsements of you and. Uh, all right. So let's move on. All right. So what are you going to do for your place? So tying it to the movie. Um, I mentioned that Frank, well, Frank Lloyd Wright designed the Enos house, which served as the exterior. So once, so here's the actual picture of the house. Oh, okay. And, and daylight, and you can kind of see the symbols and stuff. How it is. And it uh, looks like step. Yes. Up a little bit, yeah. So, it sh I should mention once again that he designed many houses in the United States, and they all have a unique architecture to them. And he, he had an interesting belief that uh, the exterior of a house could, like, represent and mold the people in it. Hmm. Like, it wasn't just about the exterior. It was, like, the, an experience. Yeah. Um, so, you know, f he basically had over – he had designed over a 1,000 projects, and about 500 of them were actually built over time. Um, what's interesting is he has four major houses that – are tied to severely tragic events or hauntings of some hmm. sort. So the one I am covering is called the Talison. And this was located on a 600-acre plot of land in Green, Spring Green, Wisconsin. And the history behind this kind of messed up and maybe is what set the tone. So in 1903, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright's wife, Catherine, introduced him to martha her nickname was mama m-a-m-a-h okay. uh borthwick cheney and her husband edwin cheney well uh they commissioned frank lloyd wright to build the house for him 
and uh, Frank and Martha kind of got smitten and started an affair. So once the husband learned, he left her, but Frank pushed on making the house for her, and eventually he decided to divorce his wife as well. Um, and basically Frank took his six children and... He, or I'm sorry, he abandoned his wife and their six children to go live with, with Martha on this this plot of land mm-hmm. and this new property. So they completed the property and moved in in 1911. During that time, uh, you know, they had a lot of helpers come and work for them. One of them is a Barbados native, Julian Carlton, who was 19 at the time. And in 1914... In August, when Wright was on Chicago, was going to Chicago on business, like continuing to build houses, um, apparently there was a big fight between Martha and Julian. She was basically reprimanding him for, like, I guess the way he cooked or some some issue with his service. So this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Um, as they were sitting down to eat, they noticed all of a sudden a swooshing sound was coming. And it looked like water was being thrown in a locked screen door from the outside. Um, and when some of the service, other service workers noticed it, they started seeing it flooding into the, the entire kitchen and into the dining room. And before they knew it, it was gasoline. And Carlton mm-hmm. lit it on fire. So uh, apparently what happened next is where it gets really messed up. So Martha... Uh, attempted to escape the flames, put her head outside the window, and Carlton was waiting there with a hatchet and Mm. started to sever her head at the neck Hmm. and crushed her skull with a hatchet. Then he basically systematically did that to everyone who attempted to leave the house. Um, All in all, seven people were massacred, um, including Martha and their two children, two workers and a 13-year-old boy. Hmm. Two people did manage to survive but were, like, badly injured. So, needless to say, uh, Carlton, they searched for him, and they were able to find him inside the basement of the furnace of the house, and he had swallowed muratic acid. Am I saying that right? Basically, he swallowed a a bunch of acid to try and kill himself, but he was still conscious. They were able to save him. They wanted to figure out, like, what the hell was the motive for the massacre, and he eventually died from self-starvation. Hmm. So, pretty damn messed up. Frank Lloyd Wright heard all this. He was devastated. And he he committed to like wanting to rebuild the house, but couldn't bring himself to do it for over a decade. And they say since that incident, all of his work suffered like quality and greatly mm-hmm. after that point. Eventually, though, he did rebuild the house. And it was in 1925, he got it built, and almost a year or two later, it was struck by lightning and burned to the ground again. Huh. So Built it on the same exact same spot. Same spot, everything. same everything. So then the third time, it was rebuilt. It is still standing today. Um, and, you know, the bodies and the remains were taken to a cottage on the grounds. They call it the Tan Tanny Dairy. But they say it's still haunted by Martha's ghost and that she's not evil, but she's just constantly wandering and seems lost gotcha. all the time. Uh, many people said, like, this was a house that they couldn't, you know, it was a, as you saw, a very infamous house mm-hmm. for 
how much work they couldn't even sell for like 50k at many times and they just gave up trying to sell it and basically listed it as like a historic property because they were having so much issues with it um now the thing is we've talked before about if you if you try and build something on land that was you know previously a burial ground or whatnot but this one brings up the interesting idea of like a house that was literally built on an affair yeah like a different type of sin almost and could that energy have leaked in could it have just been that dude from barbados was nuts absolutely yeah. uh but it seems particularly brutal the way like if he was just that pissed that she reprimanded him like you think just lighting the house would have been enough yeah or even just getting her but like to but there's go probably through, some other stuff going on there i'm sure it just seems very like that's beyond a crime of passion that's like because a crime of passion they say usually is you're inflicting it on the person you're most mm -hmm. angry with and there is extreme violence in it but like i said the fact that he did it to like kids and these other people obviously had psychological issues for sure but i'm saying like we've talked many times about energies of a place and like into the very fabric of the foundations of what this thing was built for could have corrupted them I don't know. You know, I just throw it out there as like, that's a very, it's it's the most infamous case for Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright. And unfortunately, like I said, he had many, many great successes, but there was a legacy of some unfortunate events in all of his houses. And I guess if he's had 500 houses built, I don't know if statistically one of these things would happen. Yeah. But still, this is pretty damn extreme. And yeah. the fact that we've covered this before on other cases where they keep rebuilding and fires or yeah. lightning. That's when it's like, God or something's telling you, stop, yeah, stop building it. here. Like, you fucked up. Like, move on. So, I don't know. What did you think of that? Interesting. That's one place where would the amount, that amount happen. I don't know if I'd want to visit. I'd like to see it from a distance. I don't know. Well, they're, they're not saying there's any kind of, like, poltergeist type spirits. Yeah, like they there's... just said that the, the wife spirit. She just wanders. Yeah. Like, once again, this is a, what's the word, benevolent? Is that the right word? Yeah. Like, a more peaceful, but she's basically just always lost. So, yeah. It, it just, I had to tie it into the movie that way, seeing how he's the architect and the yeah. designer. But once again, cheating ass woman. Ultimately her fault. Well, it was the, oh yeah, that's right, she was married, so. Yeah. Well, they both cheated. They did. But then she had to go and reprimand some dude. <laughs> so any other questions on that one? No, it's interesting. Okay. So any hints for the people listening of what next week's movie <sighs> may know. be? Black and white movie? No, not at all. Subtitles? No. <laughs> no, that's too much work for me. <laughs> I might just do an easy one and do one of my favorite movies. Okay. We've been talking about it for a while, so. Yeah. Once again, the, the door is wide yeah. open. We said you know, once, we obviously, there probably be will be in February at least one or two Valentine's Day movies yeah. covered. Oh, I got a good one. And and in in March, I'm sure we'll cover Leprechaun, Leprechaun at least one of the Leprechauns. Um, but yeah, like, after that, there, we're, there may be some months where we're like, you know what, we only want to cover some of our favorite 80s movies yeah. or Vampire or something like that. 
but yeah i, I wonder if there's any is there any horror oh there's a uh for uh easter there are a couple there's yeah there's a few things donnie darko yeah there's a couple Eagle rabbit yeah so with that everyone we want to say thank you once again for listening if you haven't already please make sure you're following us on all social media apps and if you can subscribe to us on itunes or spotify or wherever you get your podcast if you won't mind why don't you also give us a five-star rating even if you want to bash us in the comments and with that we want to say have a good night until next time <laughs>